From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, tell jokes, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome to another edition of the Calvary Life Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with my good friend, Eric Wakeling. Yes, it is awesome to be here with Brandon Elrod, longtime Calvary member, and it is good to have you, Brandon. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Now, we're actually doing this uh, high atop a treehouse today. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought, let's get outdoors a little bit and uh, do this in nature, which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about. That's right. That's right. So, Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit, like, what do you what do? you do? What's your job now? Yeah, so I am a certified arborist. I take care of trees. Um, tree healthcare, uh, managing urban forest populations, and uh, most of that is like commercial properties, campuses, schools, resorts, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And that's very interesting to think about because you also are a guy who's written books and yeah. poetry. Yeah, you're kind of this like a Renaissance man. Renaissance man, yeah, like a warrior poet, but like a tree man poet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will take that. Thank you. He's an urban forester. Yes. Yes. By the way, did you come up with that term or is that out there? No, that's out there. That's a real thing. It urban certainly forest. is out there. I love it. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, but like, what was, how did that fascination start or that interest in that whole world? Was there like a seven year old Brandon when somebody came up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some people said fireman. Some people said baseball player. You said, I'd like to be. Actually, I wanted to be an author. Like from okay, the earliest yeah. age, I just, I knew I wanted to write books. Wow. Nerdy as that is, uh, I, I just knew it. Uh, the tree thing I, I didn't actually know was a job. I didn't know you could get paid to do it. Right. Like trees just grow, right? Just There's grow. rain and yeah. God takes care of the rest, right? God uh, takes care of it magically. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually started off down the road of um, architecture and transferred into landscape architecture mm-hmm. and uh, I had taken architecture all through um, a high school, community college, and then when I went to transfer into Cal Poly Pomona, the program was super impacted, and I couldn't get in. So mm-hmm. I figured, oh, well, landscape architecture is the next best thing. I'll just get into that, get my feet wet, and then I'll transfer back over. I ended up really enjoying it and the whole natural element and adding in the, the outdoors to design and being a creative, that was kind of a perfect fit. So... Uh, I got two years down that path at Cal Poly and then started realizing that there were just, there were no jobs. Huh. The, the industry at that time was, was super, super dried up. So, uh, made the call and switched over to horticulture and that's what I finished up with. And so, um, but uh, d- define horticulture for me, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say for the people at home, but <laughs> I, I need that actually. Uh, it's, it's basically plant and soil science. Okay. So they, which is up, why I didn't know what that was. Okay. Yeah. Good. They ended up renaming it, uh, plant and soil science from horticulture, probably because enough people just didn't know what it was. Oh, that's good. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, did you, um, I don't know, just did you, did you always have a sort of an artistic bent as a kid too, though? Cause it feels like you have an artistic eye and per, I mean, maybe, I don't know if you paint or draw or that kind of stuff too, but was that part of you? No, I have always written um, mostly poetry as a kid and, you know, creative writing and all that. I tried 
you know, the other media drawing and, yeah. and painting stuff, I, I just, I wasn't very good at it. And honestly, that was a big part of why I ended up transferring out of landscape architecture mm-hmm. is that not only were there no jobs, but the very few jobs were going to the best of the best. And I just, I couldn't draw as well as the other kids in the, in the program. So, um, around that time I saw a film put out by the USDA on the forest service and it was, it was incredible. It showed this life of working among these towering giant trees and getting paid for it and wearing cool uniforms. And I thought, wow, I, I could do that. I would love that. That's so awesome. That was when I made the switch. All right. Okay. Well, let's jump out of the horticulture scene for a second and take you back to your some of your Calvary origin stories. I'd love mm-hmm. to hear a little bit of how you got to Calvary, but then we'll jump back into the whole thing of, of trees and okay. you know, good stuff like that. Yeah. So I grew up in a in a home church that uh, that went sideways. Yeah. And it became cultish, and I would say it, it fit ultimately over time, it ended up fitting pretty closely the definition of a cult as far as, you know, um, the, the figurehead, as far as the, uh, cutting off contact with outside family, the levels of control of different elements of life. Wow. And that's, that's what I grew up in. That's all I knew. So uh, up until what age, what age does your family get out of that? Uh, my dad was the whistleblower, um, when I was, I think about sixth grade. Okay. okay. And are you aware, like, so that's like 11, 12 years old. Are you aware that this is going on? Does it feel normal to you or? It, there was, there was sort of this element, I think of it, you knew it wasn't normal, but there was this element of kind of holding your head up high because this was a, like a holiness movement yeah. and we had higher standards and this was the true church. And, you know, all these typical, um, mantras that you buy, and you believe, but yeah, at school, you know, we couldn't participate in the Christmas programs or doing the artwork as, you know, grade schoolers for any of the holidays. And, um, but it just, so yeah, you, you felt it, you knew you were, you were different. Yeah. Interesting. So then where'd you go after that? (laughs) So we got out and, um, this was kind of diamond bar area, East LA County area. Oh, that's Matt's land. The glittering (laughs) crest of the Walnut Valley. That's what we call diamond bar. Yeah, uh, we went. To <laughs> yep. The rest of us just don't call it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's in between Pomona and Brea. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we actually went to Raul Reese's church. Oh yeah. For for a while, as we were kind of getting our feet underneath us, and yeah. um, they were still meeting in that old Safeway building before they made uh, built Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. Right. I used, to, I used to see him at uh, the El Pollo Loco in Diamond Bar. Oh. oh. Yeah. Those are the days. So now I know how you ended up at Calvary. You just thought we were at Calvary <laughs> Chapel. That's it. <laughs> like most people. Totally. Like, yeah. Uh, no, we, you know, my parents actually were, were looking to move back to Anaheim, where he, we had been originally. Um, my dad worked for the city of Anaheim, and so it made sense. And uh, they wanted to find a Bible-believing church, mm-hmm. like no other preferably Mm non-denominational just straight Bible. And so that was really the big draw. And I think probably a strong youth program, those two things. And Calvary was certainly fit the bill on both of those. Okay. So so how old were you when you came here? So I was 12 years old. Okay. So that was like, uh, end of seventh grade. And so moved right into the junior high program here. Um, John Norton was my, my core group leader. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that, I think Lyle Castellaw was 
was the youth pastor at that time, and Ray Schwartz was high high school at that time. That's awesome. So that was my entry point. That's good. So you go through youth ministry here at Calvary. You're growing in your faith. You're kind of finding what maybe a normal uh, Christian life is mm-hmm. supposed to look like. And you have some of the best, John Norton. We love John. <laughs> um, and and where is God steering you, and how is he using some of your life experiences at this point to kind of bring you to where you're at? Well, I really was drawn to the the Mexico mission trips, and I did every single one. It was like every Christmas break for a week, but then there would be these interim um, little weekend trips here and there, and I, I just did them all. And I was also taking Spanish all through high school, and so um, at the end of high school, I ended up doing an internship down at Rancho Aguaviva, um, oh, cool. who we used to partner with, and um, that seemed to be the path. Like, I think I'm going into missions was, wow. was really where, where things looked like they were heading at that time. So uh, I went to Urbana 1991 with a Calvary College group. And, you know, the big thing at Urbana at that time seemed to be, you know, come this weekend and find God's plan for your life. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what'd you find? <laughs> you know, there were some, some really great groups and speakers. I think Robbie Zacharias was one of the speakers. And wow. just, it was monumental. But one of the people that stood out the most that spoke there, I, I don't remember her name, but she was a mathematician, if I believe, if I remember. And her basic point was, you know, a lot of young folks get saved and they believe that they should automatically go to Bible school, that that's the Lord's path for them. And mm-hmm. her question was, well, Maybe, but maybe the Lord is looking to develop, you know, Christian astrophysicists, right? Uh, believers, professionals out in the, micro- the marketplace who love the Lord and honor Him and would faithfully represent Him in their particular peer group. Yeah, and that really stuck with me. And so, um, it wasn't long after that before I ended up deviating and going kind of into the, the professional world, but um, none, nothing was lost. In that process, I think that's actually a huge like, message for everybody to hear. Like people that are listening to this, for them to hear, you know, that, that it's not about becoming a missionary or a pastor or something. Because there is mm-hmm. a lot. I remember feeling a lot of that sort of pressure early on in life, mm-hmm. and it definitely, even to me, I think because I wanted to be a pastor, eventually felt God's calling to be a pastor. It also felt like missionary was like the next level better <laughs> though than a pastor. Oh, and it's like okay. I, I wasn't like. You really forsake it all at that point. Yeah, right? that's when you really, you know, especially if you go somewhere really terrible to live. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so we're here in Santa Ana. But, um, you know, it's all right. And, but it's it's just an interesting thing how we're, we have this pressure, or we have this thinking that it's that way. And I really love that, like, what she... Mm-hmm how she impacted you, which is also cool how you don't even remember her name, which is actually just kind of cool how a message can stick with you. It's not about the person. It was this yeah. message. And 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 really how that's affected your life. And you have then lived that out, I think, I believe. Yeah. And I just, um, you know, it, it came at the right timing, too, that there was a bit of permission in that. Because what I was also working through was this question of what's my motivation for missions? Is it is it really what God's calling me to, or is there some personal motive in this that might not be 100% altruistic? Mm. And really what it came down to was I had been to Mexico a whole bunch of times. I lived there for a while. Uh, I spoke Spanish pretty, 
pretty fluently for that, you know, for that age. Food's great. What's that? The food is great. The food, yeah, the food is amazing. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think as I, as strange as it sounds, I wanted to be a missionary to Mexico because it was convenient. Hmm. Yeah, because it's what you had done. It's what you've it's what experienced. What I'd done is what I knew. Yeah. Familiar, comfortable. Yep. And I think there was also this element of uh, I'm a shoe in. I'm the guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm 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 qualified. I'm ready to go. I already know how to get there. <laughs> I already know the roads, <laughs> which obviously is pretty superficial. Right. And so the, the Lord was was illuminating that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that was all combined, the transition out of that and into the, the, the professional marketplace. Were you having any kind of inklings towards, as a young person, like caring about um, God's creation, caring about the environment, caring about... Um, I mean, even like in the sense of even work-wise caring about plant life and all of that, you know, or not really yet. I don't think that was, that was really on my, I don't think that was really on my radar just yet. I mean, I, I grew up outdoors. I, I had my, yeah. my tree in the backyard. It was this avocado tree that was all gnarled and old and it was perfect to climb. And that's it, just, that's where you'd find me. Uh, that's where I had alone time and just gather your thoughts and all that. Um, so there was that inherent element, but I think the counterpoint to that was that I received a really Western education mm -hmm. and, you know, Western horticulture, Western agriculture, um, it's, it's not really oriented towards, um, towards regarding the specialness of the earth. Huh. Is it, it, is it more like use it as hard as you can to get the most out of it kind of thing? Or what's the... I wouldn't put it to that extreme. Okay. I would put it more in the middle of it's a giant chemistry equation. And what are you looking to accomplish? Well, then just change the variables. You can just, it's cake batter. You can change the ingredients to produce a different outcome. Huh. So there's this, this almost mindset of expendability. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what I merged into my career with. And so some of the tools in your toolbox are, you know, chemicals and things like that, that, that may not ultimately be a good fit with, with the environmental, you know, more, right. more of a protective position. Okay. So when did then your thinking begin to change on some of that in your life? Um, I think the, it's been in the, in the, in the past five years or so, quite honestly, it's, okay. it's more of a recent thing. Um, and I, I, I find myself in uh, oftentimes in the middle zone, in that understanding or, or appreciating two sides of a story. Yeah. And so I think that's what I was starting to experience some years back with things that are environmentally oriented or, you know, being more respectful of, of resources or uh, conservation versus preservation. Some of these, these topics that there's a lot of polarized positions out there yeah, and very politicized. I mean, everything's very political now. And so it's almost like if you believe one viewpoint, then you are automatically an enemy of the other side. It, it, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Right. Um, and since I don't operate in that zone very well, I, I, I tend to be in that middle kind of ambassador zone, hmm. I call it. Um, it just made me start asking some, some of the questions, do I have to be polarized? Right. Can I take a, a little bit more 
of a progressive view on on some things. Right. But and and you're talking about like this view of God's creation, right? And having, right. and and I know like you've even expressed to me like how come this has to be some sort of quote unquote leftist position to care right. about what God has created and that's like, ugh, why, you know, why do I then if I think this have to get lumped into maybe other issues that right. aren't about me and you're trying to say, "Hey, let's take all these things apart and instead of like you have to uh, go by some platform with 30 different things that you agree with because it's a political party or something. Can right. I just have something that I believe about this one thing? Right. Uh, yeah. And you know, a few years back I, um, I was going through the old Testament uh, kind of start to finish. And just, um, when I, when I do that, I, I try and ask the Lord for that season. What, what are you wanting to show me throughout this this path this this journey of time that I'm I'm going through these through this um, through the Old Testament. What do you want to show me and highlight? And this this one particular time a few years ago was <clears throat> was very much about about nature, mm-hmm. and it was about God's relation to it, um, interaction with it, which you know we we tend to think of at creation and then okay you know wipe your hands clean it's done and now on to other things. But I think the, the scriptures pretty sh- pretty clearly show God's involvement um, continuously in nature. Um, not that nature is necessarily the focal point. You know, we have the story of redemption. We have the story of of His people. We have the story of the coming Messiah. Well, it's but but the setting where this all occurs is this supernatural place that He designed, mm-hmm. and he even starts in a beautiful lush garden yeah. right like that's this image yeah of perf- of everything being right is this yeah. beautiful garden and it continues into these places of a holy ground for moses mm-hmm. where there's something special about this place uh it's special because god is there but it's special nonetheless mm-hmm. um or the the altar that that god has the children of israel make and tell them don't use chisels on it only use natural stone. Only use. I don't want you to, to be profaned by man's design. Huh. Like okay, so there's a specialness to God's design that trumps and supersedes ours. Yeah, just little things like that that are kind of woven throughout. Um, to me, that that ended up really standing out in that season and kind of reorienting how I was looking to do business and and ultimately take care of the the properties that we're responsible for. Right. I think it's a it's a very like Genesis one perspective, and I feel like because I, I don't think I'm naturally like I'm not I'm not trying to save the or we use paper plates at home and you know we, like and not that you're using paper plates and you're destroying the earth right I'm, so I'm not going that far but <laughs> we we live in a, a Genesis three world right mm-hmm. and and so there's a point to this that feels sometimes a little bit futile and sure and i look at this and i say like i love that your mindset is very genesis one and like Mm -hmm. we were tasked with and and charged with cultivating and Mm -hmm. caring for the earth but then you have genesis three and it's like 
well, what's the use in that? Weeds right. are just going to like, I, I think my relationship, may, maybe this is where it started. Maybe this is just all about me learning this in this moment <laughs> right now is <laughs> I, my, my relationship in cultivating the earth was pulling weeds on the side of the house. And it was like, gosh, like when you're a is, kid, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go out there. Bro. Yeah. It was the <laughs> mowing the lawn and like all of that, like just, there was a, a toil and a labor yeah. and a work. And it's like, this is awful. And so and I look at you and, and you create and you cultivate with your hands and there you, you produce beauty. And so that is just a different mindset. But I think I'm, I'm stuck in Genesis 3 and you're living in Genesis 1 and, and Revelation 22, right? Like there's this mm-hmm. like beauty of this garden. So how, how do we as Christians kind of say, look, we, we, can't, we can't take that pill that's been given to us by culture, society, politics, and, and really reclaim as, as God intended? I, th- I think that is the question. That is the big question. Um, I think much of it just comes down to permission, um, permission for Christians to, to believe, you know, believe what the scriptures say um, and, and to let go of, uh, you know, sort of these um, inaccurate, theology or, or political viewpoints that we've held on to. Um, because if we truly believe that we serve a supernatural God and that he made the earth supernaturally and that he made it for us to not only live in and cultivate, but also to engage with him and be in relationship with him Hmm. in this setting, I mean, everything about it is supernatural. Why wouldn't we honor it as a gift from him and be a good steward of it? As, as he, I believe, he commanded us to in, the, in the, the mandate to rule it well. He gave us dominion over it to rule it well. And, you know, I think some of the, some of the other roadblocks that have uh, been put in place, there's certainly the association, like guilty by association, like the other side, the left, or, or you know, whoever has absconded with this cause, therefore we have to be kind of hands off. Right. I think there's that perspective with some. I think um, even just with dispensational theology, right? There's been this. Uh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, like it's all going to burn around three o'clock. So, like, you have mm-hmm. one last chance to get people into heaven. Nothing else really matters right now. Yeah, pay your bills if you have to, but you know, yep. it's all going to burn really quickly. And so this this escapist, yep. like, I got there's way more important things going on, and you know, so. Th- I think it's a mix of ideology and theology that have kind of um, tweaked our God-given mandate. Yeah, on that. Yeah. I think those things are huge. This is the steward of this incredible resource of the world that God has entrusted to us, right? To mm-hmm. um, express that dominion over, but also to care for, and that, that stewardship, just like you would of, you know, you think if you go to a financial stewardship class and they mm-hmm. tell you about all this is God's, but you steward it and make the most of it, right? <laughs> right. Like that kind of a thing. And so I think that's a huge um, sort of quote unquote argument for me, you know, for mm-hmm. me to help have an understanding of this. But I also think it's a, another level for me at least. And, and then I want to just hear your perspective, but it's like, uh, I compare it to our own holiness, like that we're trying to become more holy and more holy as our life goes on. We're being sanctified. Mm-hmm. We're, ne- we're, we're ultimately going to be given this, 
you know, everything is going to be new for our bodies and this, right. you know, this new being that we have, you know, in, in, uh, the new heaven, new earth and all of that. But that doesn't mean we just sort of like, well, forget about holiness now, forget <laughs> about being sanctified. Now it's all going to burn. You know, right. we're going to just get made perfect eventually. Right. Well, that's the same thing. I think with the care of, of creation or the care of this earth is that we want to be pouring into it as much good as we can to, to care for this beautiful thing that God created mm-hmm. in that same way, even though there'll be this new heaven, new earth. And now we also have to have an appropriate, I think, understanding of, yeah, I do care. Well, I do care more about some people getting into, uh, you know, an, an eternity with sure. Christ than I sure. do about, you know, caring for the trees or whatever. Right. Right. But yeah. So uh, absolutely. Um, and, but I think big picture is, you know, and something that you and I have talked about previously is is this idea that that there's there's a restoration of all things. Yes. That in Christ Jesus, there's there's just this reboot, this start over, and of of so many things. But that part of it is this amazing place, Romans one, testifying yeah. of God's God's presence, um, of His design, of His characteristics, and so, um, and even even stepping forward into sort of the roles that God designed for the for the body, for the church, um, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I believe that apostle role is one that is somewhat tied to the land in in a sense that I think the apostles were very much about claiming territory, hmm. claiming um, either regional territory like land or demographic territory. But th- there was this element of redemption and reclaiming and re- repurposing hmm. back for the kingdom. And so if we only stay in a Genesis 3 kind of the earth is fallen, the earth is cursed mentality and extrapolate that out as to what we think that means, then I think we miss the part of, of the call, yeah. um, the Great Commission, to go out and to, to restore things, to be the ambassadors, to reclaim for the kingdom, yeah. making disciples, uh, and, and part of that is... I think redeeming the earth on his behalf. Yeah. It's interesting when you're talking about Romans one, you know, and I think you think about this thing of, you know, the, the earth is this witness of Christ, even in its beauty and all of that, uh, in this Romans one thinking. And then, you know, you think of if it's just this oil spill, just destroyed earth, you know, thing, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not a good witness essentially. Right. Like right. that's not a good witness of Christ, but, um, what, it, what is some of this like, led you towards then thinking about like how you do your work or how you want to talk about this stuff? Yeah. Uh, A couple things. One is certainly like real time today. What does this look like? Um, And that is how do we as a business um, and we, we do more than trees at this point. We do commercial landscape and janitorial across all of those services. How do we do this in a more honoring way to the Lord? Hmm. We're already thinking about employees and, and you know, ethical practices and all that from an integrity standpoint that's honoring to the Lord. But but how do we actually incorporate this subject? And so part of what our commitment has been, like, for example, in our in our landscape company, is um, no, no poisons, no, no pesticides, uh, no, no herbicides. And that means we have to get creative sometimes hmm. in, in controlling weeds, especially it's been a rainy year. We've had more weeds than normal. Um, sometimes that means that we just have to do more manual labor. Yeah. Um, the old fashioned way. 
Uh, the Matt Davis way. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'll come out and do some weeds for you. <laughs> we can use the help. Um, how can we how can we generate less waste? How can we recycle more? How can you know those are the questions that we've been able to process um, in the business, and we are very much committed to uh, operating that as a model for the industry. That hey, this is doable. This is possible. Um, Roundup's convenient, <laughs> but I'm going to choose not to. Got it. Yeah. So that's that's one practical way. Yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. I think that we just have, and you're even pulling me in as, as we're talking about this, because I'm, I'm trying to think, what what is it that has influenced us over the course of our life to push against that, right? And mm-hmm. it's the it's the save the trees, and there's the tree huggers that are holding on to the, mm-hmm. you know, the top of the trees. But there is something kind of beautiful, right? They're trying to stop the progress. Don't put up this building or whatever. We want to, like, there's mm-hmm. this planet Earth, or I think about my friends up in Berkeley, and how they must have six different trash cans, right, for the composting <laughs> and the, the glass and the plastic and all. And and the, we almost, like, I almost get cynical and I mock. And there is something that we are called to do as Christians to, to love the Earth. And so there is, but it takes work. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that you're talking about that means it sometimes it's just more manual labor. And I think that we're always looking for shortcuts in the life, right? Yeah. In our spiritual life, what's the shortcut thing get me from A to B much faster? And I think that we have to just embrace this like I, I we have this hedonistic viewpoint of everything that just get me the easiest way from point A to point B and and that's that's the the, the road I want to travel. Um, you're saying that no, this this is an investment, and it's it's something that takes a little bit of work. I believe so, and it it can be a little daunting um, for a person to consider, like, oh my gosh, all right, so I'm I'm feeling some permission to move into this. I'm interested. Okay, where do I start? You know, I, I just like pick something. Like, what's the what's the easiest thing you can start with? Um, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put all my coffee grounds in the garden. Okay, great. That's a good place to start. Because that will snowball a little bit. Like, oh, well, this other thing I can put in my garden, too. Like, oh, and pretty soon, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, repurposing that's going on. Um, so it doesn't have to be this big, overwhelming thing. Um, and, and also, it, it doesn't have to be the whole package, as Eric was referring to earlier, of, wow, this whole agenda, I don't agree with everything in this whole environmental agenda. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm, I'm gun-shy. Well, then just pick something in there that is non-politicized. Pick something in there that, that just feels like, wow, I could I could practically do this. Yeah, yeah. I already have a an easy way to apply this in my life right now. Because we think I take step one, and all of a sudden I have to move my family of five into a <laughs> tiny house, right? <laughs> right. And that's like the that's the only way that I can truly honor God in yeah. this. And I, I got to grow all my own food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Turn all of your human waste into re- reclaimed water and. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> or is I that don't know. Thing? It's on Waterworld. I remember that movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but I remember even little things like being challenged by like my kids when they were little in school and learning about like uh, learning about water shortages mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, I've got my daughter at home. Like, you guys turn the faucet off, you know, or whatever. Like, well, you're brushing your teeth and that kind of a thing. You're like, right. wow, okay. You know, yeah. and some of that stuff you could feel like it's, it's so little that it doesn't really matter. But I guess if you get 7 billion people thinking it doesn't really matter is where it 
gets into problems. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're, you're scared you're going to turn into your dad, like, turn off the lights. Nobody's in this room. <laughs> oh, Why do we have lights on? Like, I've already turned into my dad on that way. So bad. Uh, I know. Yeah. Constantly. So, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is a hard thing because it is, we are in such a, a polarized world right now when it comes to this stuff. And there's mm-hmm. been some, you know, obviously like some of the hot buttony kind of things are like climate change mm-hmm. and, and all of that and global warming and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it, I do, it's hard cause like I do have a sense of like cynicism and skeptical mm-hmm. nature about certain things, but then also like, well, probably this is probably like a thing that we should also care about and not just ignore. Right. And so what I don't like is when it becomes your options are yeah. be completely psychotic about, you know, mm-hmm. being for it, but also, or just ignoring it. And those people that care are stupid and being you know? bullheaded and right. obstinate about, about everything. Yeah. You know, I, I don't about think either, either one of those are, are healthy. Right. Um, and I certainly don't like it when I feel like an agenda is being put upon me. Right. And, and there's a lot in the, in that whole environmental conversation that, that feels like that. Like, okay, so you made us start paying for plastic bags at the grocery store. Okay. So where does that money go? (laughs) Nobody seems to know who's actually benefiting from these heavier, thicker, taking longer to break down plastic bags, you know, <laughs> yeah. quick questions. Like, uh, so just that, cause they my, cost a dime, right. You know, <laughs> my inner cynic comes out, um, yeah. with some of that, but taking again, your straws at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. That's next. So do I, do I push back against everything or do I just do a little bit more research on that? You know, take some time on that and just, just make a change where I can. So I think that's, that's the way I prefer to do it. What, what do you recommend then to the person that's listening? That's thinking like, okay, I agree. I don't want to ignore this stuff, but I also, maybe I don't, I'm, I'm not currently going to become an activist, you know, but, <laughs> right, right. but like I want to do something, you know, do you have any kind yeah. of thoughts of how they can dig into this a little bit more? I, I think that everybody's got their, their individual area of, of interest and passion and even, you know, Matt with, with your, your hens, our chickens your, at home, your, your chickens at home with your big, amazing chicken coop. Yeah. You know, I, I, to me, that's like the, I've got this romanticized idea about what life would be like if I had one. And you, you did that too, Eric. Yeah, we've had chickens. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what? That's just not going to happen at my house. Like I, we've, <laughs> we've already talked about it. I don't see it happening. Why not? Let's just get into this a little bit. If it's a if it's a marital issue, we don't need to talk about that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, for us. <laughs> Do you know that every? I'll just interject for every animal that we've ever gotten, there was a fight over. <laughs> And the chickens were the worst ones because oh, really? it meant that I also had to build the coop, which we we do have a beautiful coop. It's yeah. called Bethlehem. We love it, but it's um, <laughs> very good. But I remember Marilyn and I, we just like had it. I was like, I do not want to do this. That's I just so I went out for a drive and I didn't know where to go. I ended up in the parking lot of El Pollo Loco. <laughs> Animal, what are we doing? Why are we fighting about this? I bought a bucket of chicken. I brought it home, and I said, "Oh my chicken. But it's there's something cool about it, right? Like. Yeah. We go out, our kids go out and they grab eggs and we have yeah. eggs from our chicken. Like it feels like, okay, yeah. we have, I, I like it because we have this backup earthquake plan, right? If something yeah. happens and you can't buy eggs, like right. I, I told all the chickens, I told all the hens, like as long as you guys are putting eggs out, then you're, you're fine. Right. If not, yeah. then we have chicken that night for dinner. And, right. and or rabbit. You guys have rabbits too. We have rabbits. And mm. I don't know if you're allowed to eat the show rabbits though. No, we have a grand champion bunny <laughs> yeah, that will. You, you can't. That's you, you guys <laughs> travel to show that 
that yeah, rabbit. It's a whole thing, man. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast just on the craziness of our animal life, I guess. It's true. Yeah, it's, so good. it's actually come up multiple times on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, huh? But, well, you know, so some, some folks, I've got friends that are very much about backyard farming. Yep. And they're amazing at it. And it's just, it, it, I'm, I, it's, I know it's work, but the way that they live it out makes it look like it's not as much work for them. And they're just great at it. For some, I've got some friends who are very much about zero waste living. Mm-hmm. And there's just, like, there's there's nothing to put out to the curb. Yeah. They're great at it. That's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, so hard. I can't even imagine. And I, I, I feel guilty about that because almost every week, our tra- we have the biggest trash cans that you can get from the, yeah. <laughs> the waste coming. And it's always just overflow. I feel so bad about that every time. That's tough. Uh, we've been... So we've been doing some stuff like, so at our house, for example, we mm-hmm. now have these Ziploc bags that aren't Ziploc. They're, they're reusable oh, yeah. Ziploc bags. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then we have this stuff that's like very, um, it's kind of waxy, thick paper. Like, uh, yeah, it's very thick. It's not wax paper. It's very thick and it kind of bends and, and mm-hmm. it's, so instead of wrapping something in foil, mm-hmm. you wrap it in this stuff and then you're supposed to like wipe it off afterwards and use it again. Yeah. It's all just nasty, but my wife makes us do it, and so we do it, and <laughs> that's our thing. Like, she's trying to have us not use any bags. Yeah. That's, like, that's our... Your contribution. That's our contribution, but... And it's it's easy to laugh, and it, it's some of the stuff... It, it's a little bit funny, and when you're starting to practice it, it feels odd, but hey, mm-hmm. I guess if we can, like, pitch in at some level and do something, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Um when when we had the drought restrictions going on, you know, one of the basic things was, you know, no water gets thrown out. We collect all the water. And uh-huh. so we just had this glass pitcher by the sink. And when you go to dump the glass out and load the dishwasher and just dump it in the pitcher. And that goes to the dogs. That goes to the garden. That goes like or goes to, you know, wherever you need it. And it's it's tiny. It's a small thing. Right. But I bet there's a lot of people out there who are actually doing that. They're doing what you're doing, Eric, with the, you know, the repackaging the food and cutting out the aluminum and they're doing the hens. It's just lots of people are already doing this. They're already participating and they just maybe haven't connected the dots biblically about how some of these small things are actually honoring to the Lord. Yeah, that's a that's an important point. I think I'm not connecting dots. Right. Like. And if anything, if, if the Davis family gets any credit for any of this, it is all my wife. I mean, <laughs> I think even, I think she collects our chicken poop and gives it to you guys. Yeah. So you use that as fertilizer yeah. all, all your projects, it. right? Like, yeah. so it's an amazing thing. But I remember we, we went to cloth diapers oh, uh, yeah. starting in the second kid. And I just thought, are you, <laughs> I'm hooking up hoses to a toilet. But I remember there was one time where my wife is out in the front yard. We needed the power hose. And I just looked there and I said, you love the environment and you love our kids far more than I do. And <laughs> like God bless her for that. But like, if I could only connect that to man, like, yes, she's saving us money and the environment, but man, God, God may be pleased with this in this moment. And man, I'm not feeling this at all. It's just like, wow, this is, this is, I'm not there. So yeah. but maybe just like anything, it's disciplines aren't enjoyable or easy, but they're, you know, or, or yeah. holding something back that is a, a lust for us or something, mm-hmm. you know, is this ease is a lust, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. And, it is. You're right. And, um, that's, that's a yeah. huge part, I think of our whole Western world here in the U S it's just, just ease is probably our maybe ultimate mm-hmm. idol at some level. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that really is directly opposed to that original mandate, the, the, the first profession, which was be a steward of the earth, rule it well. 
Yeah. And so that that mandate was never rescinded. God never took that back anywhere in Scripture. Like, okay, all right, Earth is on its own now. You guys don't have to cultivate it. You don't. You're not responsible. Um, so so I think perhaps that is part of why that is a struggle for some of us is because that that's really kind of the core of what he designed for us to be doing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And most of the, and, and all this kind of stuff too, it leads to our our best. It's God's best for us, mm-hmm. right? This leads to even philosophically human flourishing, like for the yeah. world to be stewarded and cared for, that leads to us having, you know, a greater world, you know, and, and even things like Sabbath years for the land to rest mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. It's, yeah. it's going to produce more as well. So it's going to be for your good, but it's also the responsible and, and thing that God's called us to do. I absolutely believe that. I believe that there's a, a connection, even just an electrical connection that's made when we were outside barefoot. Huh. And if we're too busy and we're only just going to work and driving places and we're always insulated from that in our, in our, you know, sneakers that that's, <laughs> this is a weird one though. Right. Matt. I'm not, I, yeah. <laughs> I, that, I, I'll start with bags or something. I have a fear of my toenails getting ripped yeah. off or no, something. But it's just, I, I can't, I kind of get what you're saying. That's where I like to be real. Like, but it's yeah. also like interesting. Like, what do you mean? Your so, feet connecting. So this, this, the physical touch of, yeah. you know, we are, we know that we're batteries. We know that we are electrical uh, creatures. Yeah. There's, there, you know, the current going through us, there's polarity within our bodies. And so the term even grounding, to be grounded from uh. an electrical shock, right? There's, you're, you're insulating yourself from contact. Yeah. And so the idea of walking barefoot, of being in contact, that I think part of the Lord's design for our good, for yeah. our benefit of being in the soil, being in the earth, working it, cultivating, is not just to work it, huh. not just to sweat. Yeah, it's it's to receive from the sun. It's to um, to be charged up, honestly, through the soil. I think there are things we don't really understand, yeah. and they get again, um, ac- uh, you know, uh, absconded by weird. Yeah, weird hippie, weird new groups. new age, you know. <laughs> And crystals, and they make it really weird, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think there's a base scientific understanding of, yeah. of the exchanges happening. And so I think even simple things like that, that we just don't think of, right? Like, oh, the Lord already designed all the charge for our energy and our health. And we miss out. Right. When we don't participate. Right. That's interesting. And I even wonder, like before we realize that we get from the sun vitamin D or whatever, yeah. right? Like before we realized that you would just think that probably would have sounded just as crazy or weird <laughs> yeah. to say, you know, but right. it's like, Oh no, that is actually giving you something, even though it's just being outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. And I know here at Calvary, we we're talking about trying to see how we can just can, mm-hmm. like sort of improve as a, as a place that's on 10 acres and has mm-hmm. a lot of buildings and how can we, make responsible choices with the things that we use. And you and I, we've been talking about throwing around some ideas of kind of like a commitment of some sort to, yeah. of, of how we will, you know, use what God has given us here at Calvary. And, uh, and Brandon, you, you are the person that is here at Calvary. You're looking at our landscape and our mm-hmm. trees and replanting. And so I know a lot of people are looking around like it, it looks awesome. We love it. Um, but what, what is some of your thought and like, what is Calvary doing even now to be able to help with some of that? So some current things that are going on is that um, there's there's no there's no pesticides being used on the campus, oh, yeah. and it's been that way for a year. Um, we have gotten through 
the whole rainy rainy season this year, and we had an explosion of weeds, but we got through that, and yeah. you know, places looking good. Um, we uh, we use equipment that is battery operated instead of two cycle fuel. Um, you know, there's questions um, as to whether fuel two cycle fuel is real, you know, safe or healthy, or you know, causes more pollution. So you know, that's easy. Let's just not use it. Huh. Um, so let weird. them politicians work all that that stuff out. In the meantime, we'll just we'll just go without it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not taking a really heavy handed position or anything. It's just like, hey, if if it's questionable, let, let's not do it. Mm-hmm. Let's not use Roundup. Let's not use. Uh, and even some of the plants that we're using, right, are requiring less water and. Yeah, the a lot actually a lot of planning has got into the plant selection to make sure uh, that we're we're picking plants that are sustainable and. They're not only um, sustainable, but they, but they're they're beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a bunch of uh, weird cactus out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what I like. Even that's why I asked. Like I thought that's why I thought earlier in this whole thing that you had had some sort of even, um, you know, drawing or, or artistic background, mm. and because you know maybe you didn't maybe it didn't cut it for that <laughs> that one degree program, but uh, the eye is there, the aesthetic, yeah. the care for the aesthetic is there because I think it's looking at some of its most beautiful while also reducing, you know, the mm-hmm. sort of the, the negative ways that we could harm the environment by doing it. So yeah. I think that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, man. I, it's, this is interesting because I think there's so much like, that we could talk about with you because your life does go in so many, uh, I think, different interesting things from the books that you've written and, um, you know, new elder at Calvary Church mm, and, and right. all of that kind of stuff. So we're excited to see what that can continue. Maybe you could be one of our first uh, uh, returnees uh, to the podcast. We could do a, we could do a whole one just on his nerdy biblical archaeology side and his vast collection of weird ancient writings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, the stuff that you sent me, like, hey, check this out. I just got this. It's like 16th century Hebraic. It's a page from one thing. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. It's fantastic. I know. It's amazing. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's so nerdy. You're so weird. <laughs> we got to do another another one on on Israel. There you go. Going to Israel with you guys was. Definitely a highlight. That was so memorable. Well, that's good. It was memorable for us having you there with us, too. It's an in, amazing trip. In the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Of Gethsemane. Was, we'll never forget that talk. It was great. And what's your company called? Uh, Pacific Coast Companies, uh, which is Pacific Coast Barbarous, Pacific Coast Horticulturists, and Pacific Coast Property Care. So people can just probably Google that, Pacific Coast. Uh, PacificCoastCompanies.org or, Pacific Coast or uh, yeah. PacificCoast.eco. Okay. Both of those are... Awesome. We'll get you there. Yeah. Well, we're uh, super excited about all that you're doing and who you are and, and just the amazing role that you and, and your wife have had here at Calvary Church. So thanks so much, Brandon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at Calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.